Welcome aboard, space travelers. Please lower your harness and keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times. Prepare for blast-off. Hello and welcome to another episode of that Disneyland Paris podcast. I am Nick and on this episode I am joined by Craig. Good evening, sir. It is. It is the evening. That's correct. I mean, not for our listeners, potentially that could be any time of day, literally any time of day. Um, But it's been teased and it's finally here. We have a special guest on. Uh, We are joined by Darren. Hello, everybody. Hello, Darren. Uh, now, Darren has had the mm, pleasure, misfortune, you know, you, you choose, um, of, of meeting. <laughs> I was asking this more than you. I'm glad, I'm glad we know how you feel, though. Um, but yes, we met Darren on our trip in November. And um, in fact, you know, in a place that doesn't exist anymore. Well, it kind of does, but, you know, not in the same way. Um, and I, I think, I mean, not, not obviously the most interesting thing, but the thing that, um, we, we like talking about with you was not only the frequency that you go to Disneyland Paris, but how you go to Disneyland Paris, because I think, I mean, Craig, how have you got to Disneyland Paris over the years? Well, the only one I need to do now is a boat. Oh, so you done, yeah, you've done the boat's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the, and a, well, a bus, seventh on a bus. Yes, you haven't done a, a paid off special sixteen hour coach yeah. journey. Um, yeah, I've, About I've sixteen hours. Uh, well, I, I, that might be a, a bit of an exaggeration, but I know. Um, obviously, when you frequent, and, and I know you're on a few of the same Facebook groups that I'm, Darren, and what you do see is people that book these coach holidays because they're so much cheaper to get you there. But they take like almost a day because That's of it. day traveling yeah. breaks and changing coaches and and all sorts. So, um, but you drive. That's that's the thing. That's the point I was getting to. You drive uh, when yep. you go, and you know we've we've discussed that on here before because we've either you know been passengers in a car or you know people have asked us to talk about it. But you know we haven't really talked to somebody who, who does it so often. So we thought it'd be really good to get you on, um, have a, a, a quick trip report from your last trip, and also uh, find out a bit more uh, about uh, driving and the pros and cons, if there are cons, I don't know. Yep. But we'll find out. We'll find out, of course. <laughs> yep, far away. Um, but before we do that, of course, I have to... It would be rude not for me to ask what everybody's drinking. So... Craig, I'll come to you first. What are you drinking? Uh, so um back off it now. Uh, hopefully until Florida, to be honest. Uh, so I'm on the uh, the Brooklyn Brewery uh, special effects hoppy lager. Oh, hoppy lager. It's cracking. Hmm. Hop, hop, hop. Me legs are dancing. Not seen that one. Is that a no alcohol? Is that a regular one? Yeah, yeah, no alcohol. Yeah, okay. I'm off it, man. Um, Darren, have you got yourself a drink? I certainly have. I have a Diet Coke. It's the regular Diet Coke. Just a regular Diet Coke. It's not controversial. Pepsi Pepsi and Cola, you know, they're they're friends, really. It's like you and me, Craig. Pepsi and Cola are like you and me. You know, we we, we pretend we don't like each other, but we do, really. We just won't admit it in public. What do they say? It's always Pepsi... When they haven't got coke, that's right. I do. I do always love that when you go to a bar and say, "I'll have whatever and coke." And they go, "Oh, it's, it's Pepsi," yep. as if that, that's you're going to like go, "Oh, well, I can't have it then." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we'll you're, change, you're, your, change your mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. So yeah. So thank you for for coming on. Um, no problem. And I mean, I we we obviously talked about a few different things as well, but. 
we did talk when we first met you about when you first started going to Disneyland Paris. So, yeah, just for the benefit of everyone listening, when did you start going to Disneyland Paris? Uh, my first trip was December 2016, and we went for the the Christmas 2016 um, with me, my wife, and my two daughters. So, when you did that, had you what what was what was the trigger at that point? Because you know, a lot of people they say. Oh, you know, when I was growing up, I always wanted to go, but you know, we couldn't afford it. And you know, so when I got a job, I saved my money up and I went to Disney for the first time. Mm-hmm. What what was what was your trigger? Uh, I think like like probably we looked at the prices all the time, and then I finally found um, a good couple of good deals, and I think it was like a, a really good one. With uh, there was a meal plan then. Yep. And we had the meal plan and the accommodation. I can't remember, uh, Santa Fe, I think we went. And it's all like a big deal. And it comes to a manageable amount. And I was like, yeah, we'll go for that. And then that's what triggered it. And then the rest is history, really. <laughs> you know? You got the bug. Fell in, literally. Yeah, literally. Fell in love with it as soon as I walked through the gates, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Um, yeah, certainly around that time, there were lots of... I mean, I, I went... Uh, when was it? It must have been either 2015 or 2016 and we went for uh four days i think yeah. no it's i think it was five nights four days oh, i can't remember four nights yeah, five i think nights, that's what we whatever. did we did four five days four nights yeah something like that and uh i think we stayed at santa fe and i think with the Eurostar added on the week cost me about 800 no 600 pound it was it was ridiculous like you i I couldn't dream of that now you know hotel you know disney hotel and tickets and you know transportation there and back do you know what i mean like just just insane transport was included right so the first time you went i assume you didn't drive yeah yeah i drove the first time yeah oh you did so i went i drove yeah i drove because it was a whole deal with the piano ferry right and It's the first time I'd, first time I'd, well, not the first time I've driven abroad. I think I drove to Paris a few years before that. Right. But this was the first time I, I drove to Disneyland, yeah. Okay. That was the very first time. Have you, have you ever gone a different way? Um, yeah, we've done, no, just basically train or boat. No yeah. other way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, but by car is your preferred method. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we've weighed up the pros and cons for for flying, coach, train, and it's, it's a no-brainer. We normally go with at least four people in the car. Yeah. So by the time you've added it all up for, like, plane and stuff like that, it's so much better. If you think about it, how much it costs for four plane tickets, yep. Ubers, etc. you can just jump in the car, four people, um, and one, one train ticket, and away you go, you know? Yeah. You've got to think about your petrol, obviously, and everything. But it works out cheaper for us as a family to go in the car. Yep. And convenient. The convenience is more than anything. I couldn't imagine taking all our Disney merch back on the plane. I could not imagine <laughs> the drama. Well, this is this is that. the problem. This is the problem, isn't it? And and Craig, I'll, I'll no, actually, you know, I'll, I'll save I'll save that question actually about the plane for you later on. Remind me if I forget. I'm sure I won't. Um. But that is one of the the points, right? That uh, you know, when you go by car, you you know you're restricted by how you fill that car up. So if you travel light, or if you want to stick a load of clothes under the seat so you don't have another suitcase, then that's a lot more space that you've got to bring back goodies and whatnot. Yep, a lot better. <laughs> um, so do you do you actually know? how many times you've been to Disneyland Paris? Um, yeah, I've got it already prepared for you. This, that, when I went this time, it was nine times. Nine times? Nine times I've been, yeah. Wow, okay. so Since 2016, yep. And, I mean, you, you know, you can kind of write a year off as well because, you know... Yeah, that's the, it. Well, that's the of... only year that's missing off of my list is 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so how many... So, 
what's that an, an average of like three times a year uh, twice a year yeah twice about a year. twice a year i mean the only, like i said the only one i missed was 2020 and i even managed to go in 2021 with the masks on and all that malarkey yeah. but we just had to go yeah 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 we had um you didn't go then craig did you no, you didn't go back to last year, did you? It's up in 22. Yeah, 22, yeah. But it was still, there was still a lot of mandates on at that time. It's still, the restrictions hadn't lifted, had they? Yeah, we still had masks on and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we had um, our friend Lord Luke. He went in the summer, didn't he, of 20. 21 and that was like oh, yeah. it was really yeah still still heavily uh enforced everywhere but uh yeah so yeah t- i mean twice a year is still still uh, a lengthy amount um so yeah that's that's great but let's talk about the drive so i know that you are in my part of the country which is obviously a geographical advantage to driving yeah, in the first place yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's what they, that's what they call it. Nothing else. Yep. Um so so what is your what is your usual trip? The usual route is basically just getting to Folkestone normally. So from where I live, sunny Essex to Folkestone, you're looking at just under two hours to get there. And then once you get to Folkestone, you've done what you've got to do there. By the time you get on the boat. You could be in the Empire's front door in just over three hours. You could be at the park in three hours from Folkestone if there's no delays on the train. So it's, it's quite good if you do it that way. But we literally drive down there, stay an hour or so at Folkestone, have a coffee, and then um, literally off the train and three hours three hours dead to um, the front door of Disneyland Paris. Yeah, it's crazy. I think the the thing that I was impressed because I've I've gone there twice by car as a passenger because I don't drive. Um, yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's not, let's not dwell too much on that, Craig. Eh? <laughs> Although one of those times was with Ryan, so you know, again, let's not Who? dwell on that too much. Yeah, I know. Um, but the the thing that really impressed me is, I guess, how kind of direct it is, but also the the actual roads that you you take to get to Disneyland Paris. Yeah, they are quite, they're good roads. You know, I, I've always say, whenever I drive on that road, I say, I would pay £20 to drive on the M25 if it was as clear as that and yep. as good condition as that. You know, I don't mind paying the tolls. Well, that's what the tolls are for, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Well, that's what they, they say the tolls are for. But those roads are, you know, they're well-maintained. Uh, they're quite quiet, so yeah, it, it kind of makes it. Well, it depends on how you how you find driving. You know, for some people, it's it's something they love to do. Other people, they begrudgingly do it. But in terms of having to do a, th- a three hour car journey, I can't think of a nicer one than that one from the shuttle all the way down to Disneyland Paris. It's a, it's a nice route as long as you, you plan a few stops. You know, there is a, there's literally a stop halfway. And I love driving. You now, I drive for a living. Well, I don't drive. I sit in the passenger seat, but <laughs> I, I, I love driving, you know, and you just literally, and the speed is 80 mile an hour. So, you know, just whack cruise control on and you can do it on that because there's hardly any traffic on them roads. Yeah. You know, this time, this time I went, I tried a little bit of market research for it, you guys. And I travelled on the different roads to go down there, which oh. was the A16 instead of the A26. Mm-hmm. It was okay. It was a lot. It was a bit busier, and there wasn't as many rest stops or service stations. So, I'm binning that one off. I'm not going to take that journey again. You've done it once. Yeah, that, You've tried it. Yeah, I've done it once. That's it. And what I did, I looked on the map when we'd stopped for a coffee, and there was a road that went from the A16 to the A26. I thought, yep, I'm going to cut across there. Done about fifteen minute detour, but got back on the A twenty six, and I was all right. So I'm I'm assuming because you know always good to assume that's what they say um, that your your car's a petrol car, a uh, diesel car, the one diesel. I'm using now. Yeah, okay. yeah. So extra pollution, excellent. 
Um, do you? <laughs> now the reason Sorry. I mentioned that, no, well, you know, that's why I've stopped eating meat so that people like you can drive diesel cars. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's a small sacrifice. I think it balances out. Um, but no, I mean the the question. Well, not the question we've got, but I, I've tried to convince my wife to to do this journey, and yeah. the problem we've got currently, well, it's twofold really. The first one is the car we've got is pretty small, uh, really, to do a trip like that. Uh, but the second one is it's electric. So yeah. it's not... I mean, the mileage on it isn't isn't awful. Um, probably get about, on a, on a full charge, about 220 miles. Um, yeah, that's good. But that, but that is something to consider, because we'd have the same you know, kind of journey as you. We'd have to... Uh, drive down to Folkestone. We're a bit further away from there than you are, um, so you've got to you've got to basically map out. Well, well, what can I get away with? And I know some of the Disney yep. hotels. We noticed uh, when when me and Craig were doing a bit of uh, our own market research a few months ago, walking around some of the hotels, that some of them do have charge points now, which is great. But it's more what happens between you know Calais and that's it. Disneyland Paris. Well, at, at Folkestone and the, the Euro Tunnel, there's plenty of charging ports. Plenty. Hmm. There's so many there. Loads of them there. And then, like I said, we stop halfway, usually literally 99 miles, and there's loads of charging points there as well. So, it's it's only uh, 193 miles from when you get off of the train to Disneyland Paris. So, it's only 193 miles. And there's plenty of stops on, like I said, on the A26 there is anyway yeah. to charge and stuff. That's interesting. So effect, I mean, because I, I guess the other thing as well is when you go to uh, the, the shuttle, you don't. So you you have a time, right? You don't you don't just tell up yeah. tell up when you like. You have a time, but oh no no yeah. If you go early, there's no they're not going to stop you going into uh, the area. Um, but they might no. not let you go on a car. Well, sorry, train. Well, what, what, what they do is when you get there, um, you book your, your time. So yeah. I've put my, my example was at half past two train. So the check-in opens at half past 12 and the last boarding is half past one. So if you sort of like make it an hour, get there an hour before you should get there. But then once you're in the confines of Folkestone, then what you can do then is you can go and duty free. You can use the facilities, Starbucks, Derek Smiths. And then when you're ready, you just literally get in the car, follow the signs for France. Nobody's ever, ever stopped us with the, we've got the little hanger and yep. it has like your D1, D2. Yep. But the little tip, what we did, we just, I just took it out of the wing mirror if I was early. So then they let us on the next one, you know. But well, there's not people. That, I don't know how busy it's going to be, like summer and stuff like that. But whenever I've gone, it's never busy. And they just wave you straight on to yeah. the, the loading area. Yeah, yeah. When we, but as for, yeah, as for checking in, like if you check in and, and like an hour early, I think we was about half an hour. Early, they they say, do you want the earlier train or the same one that you want? And likewise, a few years back when me and my son went, we was late. And they said, you get onto the next one, no extra charge. So as long as it's a couple of hours each way, there, there's no really real penalties. I think I was charged once when we came home really early. And I think it was about three hours early. And they said, if you want to get on the next train, it's going to cost you 24 um, euros. So we opted for that. So we can get home a little bit quicker. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, in my experience going there, We've got that. We've got there like in plenty of time, but we've ended up going on an earlier train, uh, just because the option was available. Um, yeah, you know, we had time to go and visit the duty free, get something to eat or drink, um, and still get an earlier train. So, yeah, I don't think they're, they're too precious, you know, of you being there. Um, it's just obviously, yeah, they're not going to probably let you on like four trains early or something without uh, without saying something. <sighs> But uh, yeah, that's it. Now, Craig, you've got a long got... way. Sorry, Darren, what did you gonna say? No, I was gonna say you've got you've got um, you could even be cheeky and just literally go in and then turn around in the car park and like as soon as you've checked in, if you was in that much of a hurry and you'd already been a, for a rest stop, 
you could literally just go straight onto the, the literally the next train if you wanted to do that. But yeah, when you know you when you know you've got a three hour drive ahead of you, you want to use the facilities. I suppose yeah. everyone else in the car did it anyway. <laughs> now, Craig, you you obviously live nowhere near uh, Folkestone, but is it something that you would ever consider as an option? I've considered it with the boys. Yeah. Uh, you know, drive down, pick Washington up, drive down, pick you up, drive across. But that that in itself, you know, I'd, I'd have to be leaving. I think to get in the parks the same day, I'd have to be leaving at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. Yeah, we've done that before as well. Well, which is fine for you because you, you're two hours from Folkestone. But I'm... As a guess, seven hours from Folkestone, maybe. Wow. Yeah, you know I what don't... I mean. So, yeah, it could be. I think could be I... Scotland level of distance for you. Yeah, so it would have to be. Pl- it might have to involve an overnight stay mm. um, at the at the border, at the ferry terminal, at the train station. You know that sort of area, which I've seen the lodge guys do that. Um, and so it, it does work. All you do is you factor the travelling time into your trip, you know. So it's not something I wouldn't rule out. I'd like to do it. I want to do it um, with our Grace and, and Jack as well as a, as an adventure. But I'd have to probably give it two days travel. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot, yeah. You know, I, I took our Eve back to York last night, um, left Liverpool at... Eight o'clock, hour and a half, hour and fifty day. Helped her unpack, got her settled. Hour and a half, hour and fifty back. I got into the house at half past midnight, and the last twenty miles of the journey, I was nodding out. So I had to, like, I was seriously considering pulling over. But instead, you just so fully you... carry on swerving. Yeah, I just. I was listening to podcasts. I was listening to you, Nick. So I oh, take you off, and I put um, die straight on. Well, look, as, as we know, as, as we know, I am uh, some people's first choice for listening to as they want to go to sleep. So, yeah, it's probably probably not best to put me on. To be fair, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's interesting, though, Craig. I mean, I think I think that's it. I think you know, people. I, I do know people that have come from. Uh, Manchester uh, have done it all in one day. Literally, like one going to say Amanda, I'll, I'll land down under. No, unfortunately not. No, not on this podcast. Um, but I think kind of like travelling down, having a, a rest overnight and then getting on an early train the next day is probably a, a, a more sensible way of doing it. And and then, you know, you've got a, a three-hour drive the other side and you've probably still got enough left in the tank uh, for you know, sometime in the parks that day, if you wanted to. Oh, I'd be on the first train. If that was me, I'd be on the first train out yeah. in the morning, and I'd get I'd smash that three-hour drive. And I, I guess you'd be in the parks by ten o'clock. Yeah, we did. When I did that, it was it was a it was a long day, but the, the adrenaline doesn't start running out until about three o'clock, four o'clock, and then you're thinking, I've got another five hours now till the fireworks. But I have done it before, straight from home to Disney, non-stop in the morning, drove through the night. Actually, I think I went on the boat that time. I think we left here like 2 o'clock in the morning, got I to think, the port about 4. So I was there for like 9 o'clock, I think. I think if they don't improve the fireworks soon, that won't be a problem for me, to be yeah, honest. it's okay. Disney Dreams is coming back next month. It's fine. Or, or April. Eight weeks' time. That's right. That's right. I wish I was seeing it. Um... But yeah, I mean, I've got there. I think the only problem we had was the the second time we went. Um, I don't think we got a hotel until the day we were planning to arrive, so we couldn't check in or anything because um, of when we got there. So we had to go straight to the parks, and they don't open the parks until I think I think it might have been seven or half seven. The car park opened. So we've literally just us, it was, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So we we literally just had to wait at the front of the car park because <laughs> there was like there was nowhere else for us to go. 
uh, and wait for someone to turn up to open up the gates. Um, but yes, yeah, I, I guess in that way, do it. A little tip for you there, which you do get there early, you can take the little turn off before and you can go to the petrol station and get a cup of coffee. Oh, uh, what, the, at uh, Santa Fe? Yeah, the SO, yeah, there's yeah, like yeah, a little yeah. slip road just before and you go up there and sometimes we get there early because this time we got there early because we were staying off site. Yeah. And we didn't, I didn't realise that because we couldn't do the extra <laughs> magic time with the annual passes because my sister and brother-in-law, they didn't have um, the annual passes. We got them just the day tickets. Got you. So we was, we was like just going in at normal times. So we just literally waited at the car park, same as you, till it opened at eight. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not a bad tip though. That, little tips like are, are always good. Now, I know that you, you said on the lead up to coming on that you wrote a whole load of notes but i've got no idea what those notes consisted of so what else did you have now all all i all i done was like little tips and tricks for the the trip down you know like um because some when you go on like the facebook pages that we've already mentioned people say about like tolls i've even seen people with the toll ticket in their hands and what do we do with this you know and if for people, if they don't plan, you're not going to know what that piece of paper you've just taken out of that machine's for, you know? Well, I'd, Which is the, let's pretend, let's pretend that we've got no idea, right? So yep. I'm going to be driving for the first time, which is incredible because, again, I don't have a driving license. Um, so I'm going to do this trip for the first time. I've never done it before. I've never experienced it with anybody. What happens? You know, I, I know as much as... I've booked my my slot on the shuttle. I know what time I've got to go down there. They've sent me the instructions of what to do. But once I get off that train, I've got no idea what I'm doing. So so talk us through the journey. So first things first, you need to get yourself prepared for that sort of journey. So you need the the travel kit. You know, you need um, another thing you need by law to have the high-vis jackets inside the car, not in the boot, actually inside the car. I don't know anybody who's been pulled over don't know anybody's been pulled over but if you did get pulled over apparently they have to be inside the car wow um and things like um you have to have by law the triangle you know your warning triangle outside the car this is obviously for breakdowns but you still need it to take it with you yeah i'm not sure about the breathalyzers we still got them from i think our first trip so they're probably out of date but we've still got those so that that's what you need that car kit i mean you can find all that information on the like Euro Tunnel, they'll tell you what to have, like um, headlight um, deflectors to deflect the beam away from oncoming traffic. You need those as well. Yeah. So once you've got all that stuff on on the car and in the car with UK badge, then you, you're good to go, really. So literally, as soon as you come off of that train, you go up a hill, turn right, and then you're basically joining. Obviously, you're going to have your sat-nav already set up. Like I already said, the best route to go on, when you do it on Google Maps, It'll give you the A16 way or the A26 way. Definitely, definitely go A26 way. It's much, much better. Okay. So set that set that sat-nav up. And I think even the Lodge guys have said about if you've not got data to download the actual map, but my, my phone's always worked over there, so I don't really worry about that. Mm. But as long as you've got a good route and you know what you're doing, you know, get yourself... Get yourself familiar with the road for a little while. I always have a little drive first, you know, just to slow drive, just to get familiar with the road. And then once you get yourself going, you know, you're on the road for literally, I think I wrote it down here, for the first pace station, like you've got to pick your um, ticket, I think about 42 miles away. Okay. So, uh, sorry, 24 miles away, the first toll ticket is. You pull up to it and your, your passenger will have to get out because they're all on the left-hand side. And a little ticket will come out of the machine. And then try and get as close as you can. I always get moaned out. Um, pull, pull the ticket out and then just keep it in a safe place for another 127 miles until you get to the next until you get to the next pace station. And that one basically just says, like, um, how many miles you've done on that toll road. And it, I think last time it was 23 euros it took off me this time. You can pay a contactless card or you can put money in there. And then you literally put that in, tap your card, and then the barrier open, and then you carry on the rest of your journey. I mean, from the pay station I wrote down, it's 42 miles to Disneyland Paris from that pay station. 
So okay. once you've done that, you you'll carry on. Once you've gone past Charles de Gaulle Airport, you're you're nearly there. And then you can have a nice little game with the kids looking for the Disneyland Paris sign. You won't see it for ages, not till you're nearly there. And um so you start yeah. you're starting to panic at this point. <laughs> yeah. I, when I when I was on the A sixteen for the first time, I started panicking. I was thinking, are we going the right way? You know, have I done the right thing here? But yeah, once you start seeing that, or if I breathe a sigh of relief when I see the sign for Child of Go Airport, then I'm not going the right way. Yep. Or park the asterisk. When you see that sign, you know you're you're on the right track. Which we, we want to pop into one day, but but yeah, so you just carry on and then you literally the sat nav is really, really good. The Google Maps one, it gets you straight there. Like I say, you just worry about, worry about your tolls. And then, like I said, there's rest stops. We always stop halfway. There's like McDonald's and coffee shops and toilets and everything there. It's a really, really good one. And then, basically, that's it, you know? And the drive is really easy. Set your cruise control to 80 miles an hour. Or what's that, 130 kilometers an hour. And then you're good to go. Literally three hours and like I said, that roads are really, really good. There's not a lot of people on there. And another good game to play, spot the English registration number. For some reason, you hardly see any English registration numbers on that road. Whether other people know something, I don't know, but you hardly <laughs> see any. I mean, that is, yeah, that, that trip's basically it, you know? It's not it's not that bad. It's really not that bad. No, and I the first time I, I did it was... Um was overnight so i i want to say we got to calais uh, about two o'clock in the morning something like that um and drove drove through and we didn't stop we just once we hit the road it, we just didn't stop uh other other obviously other than the toll booths you do have to stop that there um yeah but um, unless you've got a tag unless you've got a tag that's true um but the you know at night it's it's really well lit like mo- you, you expect motorways to be anyway but do you know what i mean like yeah i've done it in the daytime and the night time and and neither time was uh was an issue in terms of no. uh you know traffic or um visibility or anything like that um yeah it's it's it's, it's pleasant enough would you believe it yes it is patreon time what is patreon time i hear you ask well Patreon is an online platform which allows you to support your favourite content creators and interact with them if you so wish. In return for your support, you get access to exclusive content that is not available anywhere else and you also get early access to all our podcast episodes. So what are you waiting for? Why would you not want to be a Patreon? I don't know. To me... It's excellent value for money. Um, I would say that, of course, because, you know, I'm trying to sell this to you. But honestly, we've got years of content that's exclusively available. It makes a perfect Christmas gift, or if you're listening to this after Christmas, a perfect gift for someone you know. So we'd like to use this time to not only talk about Patreon, but also shout out to those people that help support the podcast that you are listening to. So here we go. We've got Tim and Ryan, Joseph, Haley, Lee, Chris, Mel, Daniel, Paul, Sandy, Crystal, Nikki, Dan, Kevin, Dave, Tom, David, Elliot, Breaking Dad, Rob, Todd, Jane and Steve and Stephen thank you to all of our patrons it really means so much to have your support and if you now want to join the Patreon and hear your name in a future advert then you just need to join up to our Patreon page just go to patreon.com forward slash that podcast and you can find us there and sign up so, what are you waiting for? Uh, was there any other tips you had on your list? Um, other, other than, you know, like doing the rest stops and just making sure you got the right the kit for the car, you know. And snacks is always a good thing to have in the car. 
But I mean, yeah, set the cruise control up and just it's di- carry on. Silly, silly question, like, but is diesel the same colour over there? Uh, no, the diesel is actually yellow. I think yes, yeah, yellow one, the diesel one. It's it does stand out from the unleaded as well, and it's roughly about the same price. I mean, I filled up this time, and it cost me seventy euros. So that must be how much I used to drive from my house to the hotel and back and forth for the hotel for four days. So seventy euros worth of fuel wasn't that bad in my um, Cougar. No, I guess I guess that's when you said about um, you know weighing up the costs. It's something you need to be aware of. You know what the petrol prices are like both sides. I mean, generally they're not that dissimilar. Sometimes they they might be. You know, sometimes we're quite a bit higher, so you might want to you know try and fill up once you get on the other side. Um, But yeah, it's weighing up. You know how much it's going to to cost because i mean when i've when i've looked myself you know if you book enough in advance shuttle is is normally quite a cheap option yeah i mean i did break i did break it down um all the costs and everything on here but yeah it's usually the same price wherever you whatever time of year i've gone i've always really paid the same sort of price for the euro tunnel and everything you know so what's so normally... your breakdown yeah so the cost of the train this is, is about 100 This is unique, isn't it, Nick? Yeah. No, 100%. Someone who's, someone who's done their own way on, <laughs> one, of, on yeah. one of our podcasts. <laughs> All right. Look at that. I sometimes that. do. <laughs> yes, I worked it out that the tunnel usually, the, every time I've gone, it's roughly been about the same, £170 both ways. Okay. So that's that's not too that's not too bad. I mean, I have tried to book it well in advance. Um, before COVID, they did a thing where you could buy like ten trips in advance, but then they've stopped that all of a sudden. Hmm. So you have to pay you have to pay that one hundred and seventy three. It's about the same for the boat when we've gone on the boat as well. Uh, fuel I put down for one hundred and forty pound, and then forty pounds sixty eight for the toll. So to take a car. With say for argument's sake, four people cost you three hundred and fifty-three pounds to go. I mean, if you break that down to four plane tickets, an Uber, etc., it's going. I'm sure it's going to come out more than that. Yeah, I mean, my. So I mean, obviously, there's there's been a, a lot of talk recently because the direct Eurostar service is going to be um, ending in June, I believe, of this year. Although, as I point out to people, direct trains anyway on the Eurostar, there's only two of those a day. So it's not not like they're they're changing a whole lot, but, you know, I get it. But normally, and this is how me and Craig went in uh, November, we got the Eurostar to uh, Gardenord and then took the RER out to um, Marleval. And I think... I think I got the Eurostar for about seventy pound. I think. Well, both I, think ways. Like, I think it was about seventy pound one way, and then about fifty nine pound oh. the other way. So, just call it one hundred and forty, and then the uh, train from the, getting on the RER, which is the underground train uh, to Mont Laval, was how much was that, Craig? Was it about fifteen euros. Was it slightly less? Than um, it's less than that, I think. Yeah, I think it was five euros for us when we went from Paris to Marlevelli. Yeah, because I, we pay more than We've just gone but... with like 10 of us back um, the other day, and it was. I, I did the wrong ticket to Gardenor. I did the $2, the two euro tickets each. No. Um, so we had to bunk when we got to. Um, Mara Valley, so one of the uh, boots was stuck open, so we just bunked through. And then um, on the way back, it was off the top of my head, it was about 31 euros for everyone. Okay, it's not too expensive anyway. No, it wasn't expensive. I thought it was going to be the, the train because when we was pricing it up, we're just about to put the card details into the credit card machine at the train. And the man stopped us. He said, where are you going? We just said, are we going to Paris? And he thought, we were, we were going to pay 45 euros each for this 
all zone, all singing, all dancing ticket. And he went, no. He said, this one here, five dollar, five euros each. Yep. Like one way. So it cost us uh, 40 instead of like nearly on 200 dollars, 200 euros. <laughs> so luckily that man was there. I was, we'd have some nice expensive tickets to get to the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really what you want, but hey, whatever. No. Um, so yeah, so I think... So I think in total, um, my journey was probably about 150-ish uh, return. So yep. that's just that's just me. So if we did that, uh, I know kids oh, you, you get a slight four? discount, but um, yeah, it's still that's still a, a good chunk cheaper than what it would cost us to do mm. it on the train. But that's more more convenience more than anything, you know. Like when you go, you. You think you're taking one suitcase each, and then you get your your snack bag. And I always take my coffee machine with me, and your, your winter clothes because obviously when it was cold. And then your jumpers, and before you know it, the cougar was literally full. Yep. You know, and if you're going on a plane, you've got to get five days worth of clothes and all your junk in one case. Well, yeah, the problem with going on a plane as well is that most, you know, I think most people when they look at planes, they're going on something like EasyJet. Um, or yeah. Ryanair or something, and they're very strict on all their policies. So normally the the plane ticket is quite cheap, but if you want to take a suitcase, that's another f- like fifty yeah, yeah. a head per person. Yeah. So I've just gone through the emails, um, and obviously we had to change our plans because our Greece was uh, skiing. Yes. So I had to go meet her in Manchester Airport, didn't I? Yeah. So we flew Air France. Uh, and it's great to, to tell you how many miles. So 234 miles from Manchester to Paris. Um, and it was £152 for the both of us um, for a single. And then I upgraded our seats to legroom seats for 28 quid. And that, that that was very close to the to departure time, like uh, about a week before we were due to go. So, um, and we had n- no luggage, so because Kelly took it all on the trains. <laughs> so that yeah, means I, I win then with the car. Oh no! I mean, I I think that's it. I think if I think the car becomes the the, the more people that are going, the more viable the yeah, car right. option yeah. is. You know, if it's you know, one or two of you. So, you know, for for us to have done that uh, in November rather than how we did it on the train, it wouldn't have been... Because bearing in mind, Craig would have had to have spent more than 70 quid on petrol um, to drive and as a well. Ho- and probably a hotel. I mean, our, our Eurostar tickets are skewed anyway because we, we get a return for 50 quid because yeah. for staff. Uh, so I get free travel down to London, and then I get fifty pound return Eurostar. So Kerry and Eve was so that's a hundred quid, and then I think I, I no I think I think they pay sixty quid return, and it for me and Grace it was fifty pound single back something like that. Yeah. So very very cheap doing it for me, but I'm in a unique circumstance. Yeah, and I think that's that's the that's the beautiful thing about uh, us being able to travel from the UK there, right? Because depending on your starting point, you know, depends on what options the cheapest. You know, the car is always going to be there or thereabouts for a lot of people, but it's not always going to be the cheapest option. I think the nearer you are to the south, the more viable that option becomes but again you know if you're talking one or two people then that's that skews it again and then they could probably do the same yeah yeah the return leg we left in in disneyland paris at two o'clock um got to garden or got on the half the ten past five train i think it was Mm. which which left about 20 late um, we got into London at seven. We walked down to Euston, got on the seven forty-three back. So we were back in Liverpool at ten o'clock that night. So eight hours travelling. 
Yeah, I was I just about to say that, the, the travel time. You know, if you're on a, in the car, if you get good traffic in England and a train straight away, you could be door-to-door. -door. If, if we say from Folkestone, you could be door-to-door -door in, in four and a half hours, Yeah, you know, from there. So if you go on the, like a plane or something, you've got to wait. Be there two hours before to check in and all that. Yeah, I don't know what it's like for the train, whether you have to check in early on that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. travel yeah. time. It's about um, it's about an hour. I think the, the gate opens about an hour. They tell hour you, and a half. Yeah, they tell you. I mean, we were there early, weren't we, for our departure because yeah. we wanted to. We both had issues getting into London that day, so we had to kind of accommodate, making sure that we we got there. Um, but I think I think the check in opened an hour before departure, and they recommend you get there an hour before. I mean, I. I you can get there half an hour before departure and it's not normally a problem. But the thing is, if there's queues and weirdly that day, there was hardly any queues, were they? We we kind of went straight through, yeah. took about 10 minutes from us, you know, scanning our tickets to open a barrier to getting through, um, you know, security, passport control. Um, and then we just had to wait for um, our train to, uh, to let us on. Um, and the but the, the weird thing is like the the train takes about oh, was it about two hours, just over two hours to get from London to Paris Gare du Nord, and then I think it takes about another forty five minutes or so on the RER. So yeah, it's 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 weirdly time wise not that dissimilar to taking the car. If it's if it's about a three hour drive the other end anyway, then it, there's not much in it. But it's the stuff you have to do beforehand, which can potentially add more time onto that in general. So I think the thing is, I think the you know talking about it like this and breaking it down, it does give you uh, a decent kind of perspective on you know what's going to work best for you. I think it. Especially if there's, if there's more people going, then you've got to weigh the odds up. You know, me and my wife have thought about when we go on a couples-only trip, you know, trying the plane. And then by the time I looked at the time and looked at what was going to be going on, what time we had to be at, like, closest one to me that goes to Paris would probably be Gatwick. So by the time you've done that, it's two hours. Yep. Plus you've got to park the car in Gatwick. Yep. You know, and I thought, yeah, I don't have to drive. But by the time you've driven to Gatwick, I could be at Folkestone. By the time I've checked in and got on the plane, I could be halfway there, you know? Yep. So it's it's, it's worth, like, that little bit extra if it was just two of us travelling, just to go on the in the car, you know, as opposed to going in the train or the and, plane. Yeah, and the, and the thing is, the other thing that's kind of stiffed us a little bit is the fact that Eurostar doesn't um, stop at Ashford or um, Ebbsfleet anymore. Because I'm that looking was... on them. I'm looking on the EasyJet website now for Liverpool to um, Charles. Yeah. And the most expensive was is this month, 33 quid. Uh, you know, that's, for, that's based on two people share, you know, flying together, 25 quid, 28 quid. But that, so that it, won't be any luggage, though. You'll have to add luggage on top of that. Yeah, you'd have to add luggage. Or you could just send Kerry on the train. <laughs> I don't think she'll like that. I'll take it over for you in the car. <laughs> the thing is, though, um, yeah, when we when we used to get the Eurostar, uh, or, or what we started to do, sorry, was we started to get take the Eurostar from Ebbsfleet because we could get to Ebbsfleet in under an hour. The parking at Ebbsfleet was ridiculously cheap for that kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I know how much it costs to park a car at Gatwick, I think a week at Ebbsfleet was about 35 quid or something stupid. Um, and it was, unlike London, it was extremely quiet in comparison. So you could turn up there, you know, 35, 45 minutes out, you'd be able to go through security and be ready for the train to to pick you up. Um, but now that stops. Now my option is to go into London, which adds its own costs on top. You know, you don't want to drive into London and park up. That's going to cost Definitely you a fortune. Um, so it's it's getting the train early in the morning 
um, and trying to navigate through the underground with your suitcases. So, I mean, it's, it's doable. It's absolutely doable. I've done it and, you know, we've done it before. But um, stopping at Ebb Street and, and Ashford was, uh, um, gave us like much more in the way of options of going by train than it does do now. So it is a, it's another consideration to have. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a really good um, breakdown of. Uh, and also, those... if you um, when when you get there, you know, if you're staying on site, then you're you're laughing. But then you can take in the cost of staying off site as to on site, you know, which we do all we alternate. But you know, we stayed off site. If you was getting a train, you probably would have to stay on site which is a bit more than, you know, staying two miles up the road at Resident the Park, which is literally a quarter of the price of a Disney hotel. And if you've got an annual pass, you save you 25 or 30 euros a day on car park. Yep. So it all depends on what you're going to need when you get there, you know. If you want to go out of Disney Park for dinner or whatever, you know, that's another thing to consider as well. Yeah, it's true. I mean... We stayed in Valde Europe. Um, what was the place called, Craig? I'm going to come to you now because I only texted it to you the other week. What was it called? Oh, something about an apartment or something. It was a part hotel. Uh, but I can't remember what the name of the chain was, but um, it was about, what, a f- five-minute walk to, to Valde Europe Station? Maybe a bit... No, it's a bit less than that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about two minutes. It was right there. Yeah. yeah. Um Oh yeah, yes, yes. Of course it was. So I'm, I'm getting flashbacks now. Um, and Vietnam. Yeah, it, it, it made things so much easier um, doing that. And like you say, you can take advantage of those savings. I mean, I can't. How much the hotel, Craig? Two hundred quid, I think, for the three, yeah, three nights we were something there, something like that. Yeah, two fifty, yeah. something like that. Yeah, well worth it. Yeah, and we had a. It was a because it was a, a, an apartment hotel it was an apartment so we had like a little kitchenette area little fridge um we had uh, a bed in the the living room we had, we had a separate bed five five people oh yeah oh because there was another wasn't there a, like a single bed as well that pulled yeah, out yeah. so yeah, yeah they sometimes cater for big groups don't they them hotels yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah I, we both had like quite sizable doubles um yeah, and like you say, you know, and we always say it on here as well, like, look around. You know, I think for first yeah, trips, I think, you know, doing the whole Disney thing I makes think, yeah, sense, same. you know. Yeah. But I think once you've done it and you're... I think the the, the thing that I love reading the most uh, on, when people have trip reports and stuff is, oh, well, yeah, I stayed at this Disney hotel, but, you know, I didn't think it was worth the money. Well, no, because you're, it's not, you're not staying in the, the luxury of a Disney hotel. You're staying in a Disney hotel because of your bit, you're in the bubble then. You know, yeah. they're, they're fine, but don't expect, you know, Dubai luxury, um, even though no, you're paying are, the same they price. They are fine, yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly. I mean, there are a few horrors, I suppose. Um, but you, you just recently came back, uh, was it two weeks ago? Uh, yeah, two weeks ago. Okay, so it was just before the... Week the before Craig went. Yeah, so the week before Just half, half term. term. Yeah. Um, you won't catch me going half term. <laughs> so, so. I need the brave. Well, yeah, we'll find out from Craig about that later on. But, um, yeah, how how was it? Because I've been there, like, on the build up to, to half term. So the last time I went with the, the family, we went um, on the Friday. And we left on the Monday, which was the first official day of half term. And uh, the difference in in the the days was uh, was quite significant on that last day. We noticed things oh, yeah, changed 100%. quite a bit. Yeah. So we, how we was... always go midweek. Okay. So is that is that we always another... start on a Monday? That's, okay. that's our rules. We always start on a Monday and come right. home on a Friday. Yeah. Because okay. then you've missed the weekend. I mean, weekend is definitely for for us is a no no weekend because we've been there so many times. We know that Friday and Saturday is crazy. Yeah, you know, you're talking double the capacity of the the Monday to the Thursday. Yeah. So we went. We done went on the Monday. That was like our travel day, and just literally went to the hotel. Um, 
And then a bit of shopping at World of Disney, we went to Five Guys, tried that one there. But I mean, like the Tuesday, the, the wait times were no more than 25 minutes each ride. I think I, I posted a picture on the, for the, the Thursday night where Peter Pan had 10 minute wait. Yeah, which is like... 10 minutes. I, I mean, I, I can't... The only time I've seen 10 minute wait for piece of pan was when i've gone to a ticketed event like an after hours event um when people are trying to meet characters and stuff like that it's the only time yeah. you'll see that ride have a a wait time that that low or maybe if you go in one of the quiet weeks in uh january uh when it probably won't be open anyway yeah that, <laughs> so that, that was the night we came back so that would have been the that would have been the Thursday night where we came back from the Eiffel Tower and we literally went straight to the park and it was empty. But yeah, the week before half term or holidays just so quiet. Cause I think people think that, you know, they've got to get the kids off school, but it was a couple's only trip, adults trip. So it didn't really matter to us. Yeah. But the, the park capacity wasn't high at all. You know, it really, really wasn't. Uh, I think the only manic bit was firework time. Uh, in the evening, it was quite busy. And yeah. then when we watched the, the drone show, The Power of Night, that was getting busy towards the run-up to it, starting at 9 o'clock. But uh, rides, it wasn't terrible at all. I think we waited the maximum was probably about 30 minutes for Tower Terror. So, yeah, the, the park capacity was really low. Mm. It was low. I mean, we didn't find problems getting tables in Casey's Corner or anything like that while we was there. I mean that is a surprising barometer as well. As stupid as that sounds, but I don't think people appreciate how busy Casey's Corner gets. Yeah, everyone just seems to like dive right to it when it's when it's food time. When, there's so many places you can go and eat, but people always seem to gravitate towards Casey's. And yeah, if it's if it's empty, then you know it's a low yeah. park day. Yeah, literally walked in through the doors and shown straight to a till. That's nuts. You know, that was, and and then even with your tray of food, walk outside and get a table. Yeah, yeah. Cause... And then lo and behold, ten minutes later, the parade started. So that was a <laughs> it was a good spot and good good timing. Amazing. So what was the um what was the weather like? Because it, it certainly used to be the case that if you booked a trip in January or February, that was normally when you'd get the best deals that was normally when you get the best discounts because the weather was so kind of hit and miss but i don't think yeah. now i think the only the only kind of time the prices go up dramatically is those summer months or around the big events like easter or christmas or halloween itself but generally you know i don't think there is a a cheap season anymore no, I mean we, we've been like literally all sorts of all sorts of months. I've got here December, March, February, September, December, May, November, and it's always been the same. Like we look for French holidays, Spanish holidays to make sure they don't cross over. That's what we main, mainly do. But the weather, I mean, literally five years before the first part day, which was a Tuesday, I looked on Facebook and it was five years exactly when I went with my daughter and it was snowing. Yeah, the, the whole park was covered in snow, but this time it was we had thermals on and big coats on. And by the afternoon, you was unzipping the coat because it was getting warm. Even to the fact when we went to Paris on the Thursday, I just had a light jacket on because this, it, it was unseasonally warm. It was we we prepared for it to be Arctic. Yep. And then um, layers obviously, and um, yeah, it was nice. It wasn't that bad. There was no rain. It was just nice sunshine, just a little nip in the air, which was really, really good. So I think we had win with with win win with crowds, win win with weather, really. Yeah, because I remember that when we were both out there in November, it was the the last day me and Craig were there, but we had that torrential rain on the Wednesday morning. That's right, yeah, I remember. And it yep. was just it was just awful. I mean, we were we were only kind of planning to do bits and pieces in the park like we've done all the main stuff it really was our chance to just you know go back and do like seconds or thirds on attractions um and that was our plan and i think i think we might have lasted about an hour and a half craig or something 
and we just yeah, gave up. It wasn't long, was it? No, like it was, it, like it was fine while it was quite dry, and it started to kind of drizzle a little bit. But as soon as it became torrential, and it crushed down. Oh, it was just, it was just the worst. And the thing is, that, that no, was our travel day home. No, yeah, my travel day home that was, and that's the one where we paid extra to get the earlier boat home because we thought that's our travel day. Let's go leave it earlier. Yeah. And then, like, it just crashed down, and we was like, we can't do this. No. It was, uh, yeah, it was, that was one of the worst uh, weather days in the parks that I've experienced. I had one day like that about 10 or 11 years ago um, in the summer where we had rain like that, but it was maybe about half an hour to an hour. Like, it cleared the parks out a bit people going yep. back to hotels but it wasn't it, it, it wasn't continuous whilst that carried on for a few hours it took us a while to get dry in fact I, that's how me and craig got dry that day was we went to the shopping center because i had to go and do some shopping on the way home and uh the shopping center dried us out didn't it craig yeah oh the air conditioning was really powerful <laughs> we were dry within about 20 minutes um so, um, was there anything? Because I mean, the other the other problem with going, you know, in those January February months as well is, um, you, there are certain things that aren't on or they've they've taken out. So, for example, in Avengers Campus, most of the um, interactive shows had gone. The outdoor yeah, there wasn't any characters out and about. No, no. Not um, one evening there was the evening um, Loki and Thor was out, Spider-Man was out, but all the other stuff we didn't see that while we was in Avengers Campus. I think the main thing that was closed was what was already scheduled to be closed, like Small World. Yeah. But nothing that we actually wanted to go on or we wanted to do, you know? No. Well, I know Craig's favourite show, uh, Mickey and the Magician, was also closed, um, which I think reopens this week. Or possibly next week. I know it's coming up the uh, the reopening, but uh, yeah. So I mean, that's that's the only thing about going in those winter months. And again, why I advise people not to for their first ever time is that January, February are normally months where they will close attractions to do um, more extensive refurbs. I mean, you, you mentioned Small World. I mean, Small World's been closed for bloody ages but yeah um you know we've been there before and you know pirates of the caribbean's been down for like a week while they do some stuff there pinocchio's been down because they've touched up some of the effects in there um and all that but they're you know we didn't know about avengers campus because it only opened last summer but the fact that they took out you know 95 percent of the uh the characters for the winter months was was something that i don't think we was I guess we should have expected in some ways, but um, I thought that they just moved stuff somewhere else. But they just were like, "Nope, we're we're just not doing it now for the next few months. We'll bring it back when it's." Uh, yeah, I think, I think the worst nicer. one, the worst one was in two thousand twenty-one when we got there and the castle was all um, boarded yes. up. Yes, that had, took a little that, bit of magic off of it. It definitely did. Yeah, yeah, it had all that scrib around it, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, that's another way of, of being disappointed. That said, though, uh, the first time that uh, my wife went to uh, Disney World was when the castle was a giant birthday cake. All right, yeah. That, have you ever seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. So Was that for 25 years? It was, yeah. It was 25th yeah. anniversary. So, um, But she didn't, she didn't know any different because that was her first no. time going. So... If anything, she was a little bit disappointed when we went back twelve years later, and the castle <laughs> was how it should be. <laughs> yeah, that's like when you, we went this time to Florida. We said we're in the fiftieth anniversary of all the all the gold and everything on it. And I said, but like, when we go back in November, that's all going to be gone. So it yes. looks all plain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, the celebrations will be over, so that that will probably yeah. come down with that as well. You hadn't even thought about that. Um, I, I think that was all the questions I I had. Craig, was there anything else that you wanted to uh, to ask? Um, not really. No, 
No? No. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, um, Darren, thank you so much for for coming on. Um, feel free no to uh, to come on with uh, with further trip reports in the future. And yeah. uh, it'd be interesting if um, if any listeners have got any any questions um, about driving after this episode goes out. Um, if so, I might need to uh, call you back. Explain yeah, yourself, definitely. young man. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Any questions, just give me a shout. Superb. Well, thank you very much. Um, and thank you, dear listener. And uh, we will see you for another episode very soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, Dan. Podcast is a That Production and part of the After Dark Podcast Network.